Welcome to the Kansas City Let's Get Natural podcast. In this episode, we're beginning our feature on Bridging the Gap, a nonprofit that aims to connect community, economy, and the environment. Today, we're hearing from Jacob Canyon, who works in the Wildlands program. Jacob has a ton of knowledge about our prairies and the ongoing efforts to preserve them. My name is Jacob Canyon. I'm the program coordinator for Kansas City Wildlands. Uh, Kansas City Wildlands is a program of Bridging the Gap that focuses on ecological restoration, in particular, uh, the protection and restoration of remnant natural areas in the Kansas City region. So remnant meaning never been plowed, never been built on. These are um, landscapes that retain the indigenous biodiversity of our region. The Wildlands program works in natural ecological areas of both Kansas and Missouri. Yeah, there's there's quite a few um, scattered around town, um, and they vary a lot in in size, in what kind of habitat they are, and, and also in how well they've been preserved. So um, the ones that come to mind are the Rocky Point Glades in Swope Park. So... Um, sort of right in the middle of Swope Park off of Oldham Road, there's a sort of a limestone plateau with an oak hickory woodland complex. And then there's some south and west facing slopes that have, uh, that have remnant glades. So these are more open areas with plants that like full sun, kind of, kind of in between the areas of woodland. So you get a, quite a diversity of wildflowers and uh, native grasses. Um, but we also have sites like Jerry Smith Park, which are tall grass prairie. Jerry Smith, in fact, is the last remnant tall grass prairie in Jackson County. There are a couple different units there that are between 20 and 60 acres. Um, there's a lot of sites on the Johnson County side. Um, those tend to be more grassland. Johnson County was was probably 80% grassland before colonization. So um, Ernie Miller Nature Center has a couple remnant prairies. Shawnee Mission Park actually has a small but very diverse and very well-maintained remnant prairie. We also work with uh, sites, the Prairie Center, which are managed by the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Tourism. Hidden Valley Park is a just north of the river in, in Kansas City. It's, it's pretty close to the downtown. Hidden Valley Park is a uh, remnant forest, which we don't have much of. Um, ecologists will make a, a really sharp distinction between a woodland and a forest, which has to do with how uh, extensive the canopy is. But So there, there's actually quite a variety of different types of ecosystems um, that we manage. And I think a lot of people don't realize how much how much beautiful nature there is right here in Kansas City. Uh, nature is not something on the other side of a national parks sign. Nature is all around us. Jacob mainly oversees seed collecting. I actually had the opportunity to join him in an awesome group of volunteers, and I learned so much from everyone I spoke to, so I'd highly recommend joining a work day if you can next season. Most of my work involves leading groups of volunteers to collect, to identify populations of native plant species and collect their seed for restoration projects. I asked Jacob if he could walk us through the process and purpose of seed collecting. As you might imagine, this work is pretty seasonal. Um, so it is rather slow in the, in the winter and early spring because the plants are not doing much. Um, 
but come April and May and into June, um, I'm spending a lot of time uh, visiting these different remnant sites, identifying the plant populations that we'll be interested in, um, sometimes collecting seed early. Some plants go to seed very early. M really, it picks up mid-summer and then especially late summer and fall for the seed collection. So I'll have groups of volunteers come out. We, um, we hike the site. I usually have scouted ahead of time and have an idea of what target species we're going for and where we can find them. So we collect seed by hand. We don't use any heavy equipment, mostly because uh, the, the sites that we work on are, are small and therefore sensitive to disturbance. So if we had um, millions of continuous acres of, of prairie, it would probably make more sense to use a seed stripper or something. But since the habitat's already fragmented and, and kind of sensitive, um, we go out there by hand identify the plants, pick the seed. We, we keep everything in paper bags. It's very simple. Paper bags so that the, if there's any moisture, it can dry out so that things don't mold. Th that really ramps up August, September, October, the first half of November. By mid-November, it's, um, it's getting cold enough that uh, it's less fun for the volunteers, but also most of the plants are starting to lose all their seed by then. And once we, once we start getting like winter storms in November and December, there's really not that much seed left for us. So at that point, all the seed that we've collected over the year, um, which I will have uh, stored at a, uh, we have a, a little barn in Gardner, Kansas, that's uh, that Johnson County Parks lets us use um, for this. So I will um, clean and process all the seed we've collected some of that will um, involve uh, volunteers helping. A lot of it is done with, um, with some equipment, and, and so I'll spend November, December, and maybe part of January doing that. And then at the, uh, in the first half of January, um, I will uh, weigh every ounce of every seed of every species that we've collected in the previous year, and then combine those into seed mixes uh, for the different land managers based on what kind of habitat they're trying to restore. And again, th those land managers are our partners um, that we collected the seed from in the first place. So Johnson County Parks, KC Mo Parks, Missouri Department of Conservation, Kansas Department of Wildlife and Tourism, uh, folks like that. So wherever that, so wherever they're doing a uh, habitat restoration or reconstruction. Um, we will provide a seed mix for that, and then in early or mid-January, uh, we'll go out to that site and then broadcast the seed. Usually, just throw it on the ground. Yeah, throw it, ideally in a way that's nice and even, um, and where the uh, seed is is getting good contact with the soil, or it's getting contact with a layer of snow on top of the soil. So the native plants, um, in general, uh, n the, the seeds won't germinate without what's called cold stratification, which just means the seed has to go through a hard winter before it wants to germinate. Um, so it's important to us that we get the whole thing wrapped up um, by the beginning or the, f the first or second week of January so that there's enough winter left 
that we can get the seed on the ground in time for it to to trigger its stratification so that it'll end up germinating in the spring. The seed that we provide is special in a couple of ways. We don't have, we don't collect enough seed to meet all of our partners' restoration needs. So these parks departments, like I mentioned, they're buying seed of native plants from commercial seed vendors every year, uh, just because they need that kind of quantity that, that we're not able to produce. But what we do give them um, is unique in at least two ways. The first is that it's, we're gonna give them a much more diverse seed mix than they could purchase. We collect certain species that uh, aren't produced commercially, either because they're not viable in a seed farm setting or because there's not enough demand for a uh, seed manufacturer to, to grow them. Um, the other reason that uh, the seed we provide is unique is even if it's a species that is sold commercially, the seed that we provide is uh, what we call the local ecotype. So not only, um, not only is any given seed that comes from us uh, a native species, it's from, that seed is from a population of that native species that has been adapting, not, not just to the central Midwest, but to the Kansas City region in particular. There, there is some interesting research on this if you are using the local ecotype uh, versus a out-of-state uh, ecotype of the same plant species. You end up with something, it varies a lot species to species, but on average, I, I think the paper said that you end up with 8% more biomass, so larger plants, and then 10% 10, 10 more inflorescences, so more flowers. So um, the, the plants that are growing in Kansas City are better adapted to Kansas City than the same species that's growing in Nebraska or in Springfield, which is not a huge surprise, but it does make the seed that we collect um, really unique. The seed collection program is really important to the restoration and preservation of our local prairies because these seeds are genetically unique and resilient. Collecting seed from, from remnant um, natural areas is not, we're not the only organization in the country that does that. There are lots of projects analogous to this. Um, one of the things though that I, that I do think makes wildlands special is that we, we really focus on, we really focus on engaging members of the public in taking care of the landscape. So f for us, the, the key word is stewardship. So we, we really, um, you know, Wildlands has two employees. Um, so the vast majority of the labor hours that go into this work are coming from volunteers. So most of the seed that, that I collect, I have volunteers helping me collect it. Most of the invasive removal that Linda does, you know, almost all of it's done through volunteer work days. And that's not just a way for the program to to do more with less. It's also an opportunity for the public to learn, not only learn about um, ecology and how to, uh, how to take care of their, their natural resources, but also kind of give them, um, set a precedent and get them involved directly in the health of their city's landscapes. 
Um, so we really want to build a culture of stewardship of the land um, and, and put, people, put people in a position where they feel like they have something positive, uh, like they have a positive impact on the landscape. One thing that I get hung up on sometimes is when people say the Midwest is ugly or boring because that simply isn't true. Once you've been in a remnant prairie and see all the plants and insects up close, you begin to understand that the prairie has a subtle, calm beauty to it. Since Jacob would be the type of person to understand this viewpoint, I asked him how these natural landscapes inspire him in everyday life. I mean, it's endlessly fascinating, right? Like these, these landscapes. Um, it's, it's hard to even narrow in on like a specific kind of inspiration. The... Uh, and I, and I think if you if you don't if you haven't spent much time learning about ecology and if you haven't spent much time in spaces like this, it's it's worth doing and it's worth keeping in mind, you know, when you're out on one of these remnant prairies, just thinking that no no one planned it, no one planted it. The populations of of plants and birds and insects that are there are self-organized and you have a system that's very diverse, but also very orderly and very stable. They do change from year to year and, and they adapt, but there is, something, there is something really, like I think deeply exciting once you start to realize the push and pull and the, the economics of a, of a natural system, you know, where the, the plants are doing this the plants are doing the primary production, but they're also responding to soil conditions and the weather and uh, shade and, and sunlight and how, how that interplays with the herbivores that are eating some plants and not others. And the, the complexity just kind of explodes the closer you look. Um, you know, these natural systems are, are incredibly productive in terms of, just in terms of biomass but that productivity is like tied up with this this really incredible diversity so like a like a remnant prairie like we collect seed from we'll have between 200 and 300 species of native plants i don't know them all you know i i and it's one of the things that i like about this job is that uh, there's always more to learn i'm not at risk of learning everything the grasslands in particular have this kind of m mystery to them that's that's hard to put into words and it, it it doesn't always photograph well but when you're standing out on one especially in the summer when you've got a big variety of, of flowers blooming and all the pollinators are out all the insects are out and you can hear them um, it is a really special it is a really special landscape and the amount of biomass on a tall grass prairie is more or less the same as the amount of biomass in an old growth forest. Um, and th these plants are perennials with deep root systems that can live for decades, potentially centuries. There's a lot we don't know about what's going on under the soil. Grassland is, is a really special ecosystem. Of, of course, it's tied up with the identity of the Midwest, but, but actually less than a tenth of 1% of the tall grass prairie that used to extend across North America is still remaining. So it's actually the most endangered ecosystem on the planet right now. Because it's so productive, uh, prairies create 
really rich, fertile soil. And so they were the first uh, piece, the prairies were the first, you know, kind of habitat to be turned into farmland. And they end up making some of the best farmland. So because of that, it's a, it's a really endangered and, and uh, uh, it's it's a it's an ecosystem that's that's desperately at risk right now because so much of it has been tilled up and turned into corn and soybeans but it it actually it actually was already very diverse and productive before before european colonization to keep up to date on seed collecting or ecological restoration work days visit bridgingthegap.com thanks for listening Kansas City Let's Get Natural is an independent podcast hosted by Hannah Zare. Editing assistance by McQuiston Bowes. Artwork by Cadence Learned.